Hi, my name is Johnny, and I have never seen a league of their own. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fine I'll Watch It. As always, my name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And this is the podcast where we show somebody, sometimes multiple people, a film that they absolutely should have seen by now and definitely need to see at some point, and we make them watch it. This week, as you heard up top, uh, we are joined by Johnny. So, Johnny, welcome again to the show. Thank you. We've now uh, stopped our March Monster Movie Madness Month, so if you missed any episodes of that, uh, you can go back and listen to it. Last week, we did the newest Godzilla versus Kong, but we have stopped with that. I'm playing around with time here as we are recording this before. <laughs> We're recording these out of order due to uh, release schedules of brand new movies. So that uh, hopefully will have been fun <laughs> that, we, that we did a you brand new You tell us, movie. will it be? Yeah, hopefully everyone enjoyed that. Um, but uh, we are back to the core three. Uh, so uh, thanks again to, or to Zach for joining us uh, this last month. Uh, but we are here uh, because baseball season is upon us and we are going to make Johnny watch the film a League of Their Own from 1992. Uh, so, Johnny, I want to talk to you a little bit about not only this movie and what you know or don't know about it, but also sports movies and baseball movies in particular uh, and kind of where your affinity for those kind for that genre lies. So why don't we why don't we pick up with uh, with sports movies in general? What are you kind of what are your thoughts on the uh, sports film genre? Uh, I, I enjoy quite a bit of them. Um, I don't, I can't say that none of them really land in my top 10 and maybe not even in my top 50. Um, I can't, I mean, I, I know I, I'm thinking of like, even like some of the newest ones like Moneyball, I absolutely love, but then as a kid, you know, Angels in the Outfield, Sandlot. Classics. Oh, the classics, of course. And I'm surprised to hear this was actually as, not as recent, but I, I thought this movie was more sitting around the, uh, the 1980s than it was, uh. Right before uh, Tom Hanks would have soared off to become a, a dramatic actor, if you will. But yeah, I mean, even just besides like baseball movies, I mean, I like Rudy. I like um, yeah, it's, oh, any given Sunday. I enjoy, even though it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know, remember the Titans, some of the hockey hockey ones, Miracle. I enjoy. So again, I I enjoy a lot of those movies. I think. Unfortunately, a lot of the times they fall into the sort of underdog tropes and sort of the things that are happening behind the scenes. So it's really uh, incumbent upon maybe the actors and some of the other elements in the movie to sort of keep you involved a little bit, especially maybe some of the movies that are coming out these days. You know, something like Moneyball, where they involve like the sort of statistical mathematics and things that are involved in the game that maybe a lot of people don't sort of uh, consider. It almost was kind of like a like a social network type of movie. You know what I mean? A move to like a Break. I think Aaron Sorkin scripted that too, so maybe I'm mm-hmm. uh, putting the two together. But yeah, really enjoy sports movies. I, I I don't think I have like a favorite. Maybe The Sandlot, just because I have so much memories with it as a kid, or Angels in the Outfield, or what's the one with the kid who breaks his arm? Is it the r- Rookie of the Year? Rookie of the Year. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I enjoy that one too. That one's good. That I one's always, really good. The first, the only thing I think about, and I know there's other obviously uh, iconic images in that movie, but where he initially is like in the grandstands, like way up, like in the Widowmaker of the stadium, and he throws it back to the catcher, or yeah, like back to like miles an hour. or whatever. And I'm just like, I love that. It's just so incredible. Um, so I I like the sort of like fun aspects of the sports movies, and you know some of the darker ones are cool too. But um, I'm interested to see how Tom Hanks does. 
with this. I don't. I'm not completely familiar with a lot of his comedic movies. I mean, Big is. I think everyone has pretty much seen Big, but I mean, I threw a couple on our list, like Splash and other ones that I just have missed in one way or another. I'm more familiar with the, you know, the Force Gumps and the Saving Private Ryan and some of the more dramatical stuff that he's done over the years. So that's kind of where I land with, you know, the baseball movies, sports movies, and sort of like Tom Hanks. I, I, I don't know who directed it. I think Madonna's in this movie. I could be wrong. Okay, I see a couple of yeah. head shakes yeah. on this, on this guy yeah. call. It's, um, it's definitely an eclectic cast of characters that you're going to be like, oh, wow, I didn't know they acted. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the it studio might... was a little desperate to uh, fill, fill the uh, the casting, but... um. Yeah, no, that's that's then that's the extent of it. I know it's baseball, Tom Hanks, uh, pre Forrest Gump, Tom Hanks, and Madonna's in it. And I'm not gonna try to pre- presume what happens in this movie, just because I kind of I, so I kind of have maybe have seen like the last scene or maybe like a climatic scene in this movie where they are playing baseball or it could be somewhere in the middle. But I just I understand maybe Tom Hanks is coaching an old women's baseball team and like that's it. So. Okay. Um, I, I, I hope you guys don't really fill in more of the gaps because I'd want to be more surprised with this movie, but I don't know. Maybe I'll just hand it over to you, Bridget. What is sort of your history with this movie and maybe sports movies? Um, well, my history with this movie and I was, you know, my surprise at you not seeing this is just because I feel like this movie played on either TBS or TNT right, yeah. constantly from like, 1997 to 2002 yeah. um, which is how i first encountered it um, especially during and especially at the beginning of baseball season like when baseball season is around the corner or in the middle of happening which right. is a good majority of the year this will be in heavy rotation um, right that's, what i you think that's probably how i first saw it yeah and i think to what you're real quickly because i know we've mentioned this before but a lot of times when you or like you're intended to maybe watch this movie at some point or another, or a movie that you've seen on TV. It's always the same spot you always happen to land on when you're flipping through yes. the channel or whatever. And it's like, yep. okay, then fine. Like I, I haven't seen anything new. It's not like the beginning. And I'm seeing like maybe <laughs> the end of it. And I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm not gonna watch this movie now, or try and dig it up on Amazon or whatever. So I'm glad that I've sort of taken it upon myself to put it on the list to finally watch it. But I think that's happened with a lot of movies over the years that I always just fall right in the middle of it or towards the end of it. It's never like the universal logo or so it's happening like okay perfect here we go like i'm going to cancel everything for the next two hours that (laughs) never happens so um i feel like again i've always landed on maybe like that scene where he's sort of coaching or yelling at the girls on the diamond and like that's about it yeah and this is you know uh to your point about it like being on television this has become like one of those movies or like when i had cable when that was a thing that people did um just flip through channels this is a movie like oh they get their own is on let me just stop and you think you're in for four or five commercial breaks, and then it's credits, and you've okay. lost two hours of the day for me at least. Um, I am not. I'm not a huge sports person in general. I would say of any of them, baseball is what I'm drawn to the most, um, and I like baseball movies in particular because I think it's a sport that lends itself to the medium of film well. Yeah. Um, but. The reasons that I like this movie are not necessarily because it's a sports movie, but like the other movies that come to mind for me are like Major League, I enjoy, and Bull Durham is one of my favorites. But that's also, it's a movie about baseball, but it's also a movie about, you know, men and women in relationships, which is sort of more what I'm drawn to. But 
that's my history with this movie. Adam, you are a big baseball person. Huge baseball fan. Yeah. Um, How are so you yeah. about baseball movies? <laughs> I love baseball movies too. Uh, I mean, Johnny rattled off a couple of my favorites, the Angels in the Outfield, Rookie of the Year, like those ones that you first see as a kid when you're first starting to get into sports. Um, those kinds of things really help, you know, bring you in a lot more because they're, they're fun. And, uh, you know, those specifically are a kid's perspective. Same thing with Sandlot where it's just like, okay, I can picture myself as these people playing, you know, in the park, pick up baseball, playing with football, playing, you know, in the street or whatever, having a catch, like those kinds of things um, really helps bring you into the sport. Um, so, I mean, I, I love baseball movies. Moneyball is fantastic. If people haven't seen that, it's absolutely worth it. Um, I think the good thing about sports movies a lot of times is when they're really good, not only do they bring in the tension and excitement of the games themselves. And and like Johnny said, it's a lot of underdog stories because those typically are the ones with the most drama. They're the ones that you're rooting for them because of whatever obstacles are put in their way. So that way you, you want to see them succeed. It's the reason things like the mighty ducks works or miracle works is because you want to see those people triumph in the face of all of the adversity that they go for. Uh, but the, the sports movies that do it really well also bring in the outside perspective, those off the field type of situations where it's about, you know, either their families or their, you know, their friendships or, you know, like with Bull Durham, their relationships. So when they start to bring in those kinds of elements, it it adds more tension and drama to the action on the field because, you know, a lot of times they're playing for more than just the wins and losses. Like they're playing to keep their spot on the roster. They're, you know, they're playing because it's what their dad always wanted for them and they've passed away. Like even in movies as silly as like Space Jam, Michael Jordan is playing, <laughs> you know, a, a variation on himself, but he's doing it because he's playing baseball and he's doing it for his dad. And, you know, he's saving the Looney Tunes because he's doing it for his kids and things like that. So when you bring in those kinds of elements for the off the field to bring them onto the field, uh, it makes for, for quality entertainment. So this was, a, again, one I probably saw. Uh, on TV and saw it multiple times on TV. Um, so that's my kind of familiarity with it. I remember pretty much most of the beats of the movie, the characterizations uh, between certain certain characters in here. Um, there's a particular couple of people that their dynamic is really good and helps kind of carry the movie through. I think the cast is good, given some of them you wouldn't have expected to be necessarily <laughs> actors or actresses. Uh, in this situation but yeah i'm a big fan of, of pretty much all sports movies baseball ones in particular even the bad ones i will watch fever pitch every year just because it's the oh, red, sox I, I love <laughs> red sox it's silly i went to see it in theaters with my dad who like we don't go to movies very often just because and he doesn't go to those kinds of like comedies or anything but because it was the red sox like we had to i mean that movie was sponsored by like the mlb store essentially <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> there's a scene in it where they literally like go shopping for clothes because Drew Barrymore's character doesn't have any Red Sox gear to wear right, to the game. Right. And so they're like going and buying jackets and shirts and jerseys and everything. So, yeah, absolutely. MLBshop.com. <laughs> <laughs> but I think to Red what you were saying, I, I, I really enjoy like the off field parts of movies. And if if not, if, in, if it's not really the uh, the focus of it, like I think. I know it's still it's a silly example of like varsity blues. It's not really about the football. It's about like all the relationships that are happening like on and off the uh, the field. 
So I really enjoyed that. I'd be remiss that I completely forgot to mention this, but Bad News Bears is an absolute amazing baseball sports movie that I enjoy. Again, another maybe example where it's not really so much about the baseball, but it's about this degenerate guy in the middle of his life trying to like clean himself up and you know and he does it you know vicariously through coaching a baseball team so that's it's it just an interesting um example but yeah i like i also like when it's not so much a sports movie but like sports is very much just the background of it and sort of how it plays into people's lives um you know again like varsity blues like it just they're supposed to be like acting like they're the kings of high school and everything like that and some of them are just so sick of that image so you find some of that happening. So I'm curious to see with this movie if that does happen here or if we are on the baseball diamond the entire time. And and, and just one uh, newer example that I can think of is uh, a movie called Everybody Wants Some, which is the new Richard Linklater movie that came out not too. It's like the spiritual sequel to Daisy Confused. It's essentially a, a bunch of college kids who the weekend before college starts and they're all on the baseball team. But it's really just them sort of partying and sort of figuring out each other's dynamics and you know, you got the seniors and you got the rookies coming on and everything. So that's an interesting. And I think, I don't know, uh, Adam, if you've ever seen, it, I think you get a kick out of it. There's not really a plot there. It's like a Richard Linklater movie. They just talk and walk and drink. But there's a lot of like baseball and practicing and things like that. That's really interesting to see. I feel like I've seen probably half to three quarters of that movie. Just, you at have? Your, okay. just like at your house. Oh. It was on <laughs> when we were hanging out. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I've seen a good chunk of it. Uh, yeah, but I've also never seen Dazed and Confused. So yeah, I saw that on the list. I saw that on the list. So we'll get there. <laughs> so, uh, so that's and why there, I never and jumped. There fully is into baseball that in that movie too. That's There's right. baseball in that movie too. There is. There absolutely is. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm excited for you to watch this because there's. It is more than just the baseball aspect of it. Obviously, that's a big part of it. Um, but there's some underlying themes and and some stuff that we'll certainly get into on the back end in terms of the situation in which they're playing these games and which which we'll be able to speak to more. So I don't want to get too far into it because I don't want to give give away the farm, so to speak. But I'm hoping that you'll enjoy it. I'm thinking that you'll you'll have a good fun time with it. I think this in terms of what you know of Tom Hanks's career, I feel like this does fall perfectly in the middle of his comedy versus drama because there is some serious tones to it, but there also is some silliness to it. So um, I think this is kind of like the good middle point between his bigs, his Turner and Hooches, and his Forrest Gumps and Saving Private Ryan's. Yeah, I mean, I even the even movies that I've like sort of gone into dreading that the movie around him will be bad. I just know that I'm gonna enjoy it and through all the way through because he's just an infectious uh, actor and entertainer. So um, I know I, I I will say now I'm going to enjoy this movie on some sort of level. Um, so I'm just curious to see what like everything around sort of Tom Hanks how he sort of brightens up brightens up the scenes and you know makes me you know uh, the other actors you know feel like they are actors like Madonna but um uh I'm excited I again just don't really have too many expectations going into it so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it cool uh anything else that you wanted to touch on Bridget before we get to Johnny to this movie no okay all right then Johnny what do you have to say for yourself fine I'll watch it
All right, we are back. We have just finished watching 1992's A League of Their Own, starring Gina Davis and Tom Hanks. Johnny, you were on the hot seat for this week, uh, so I want to hear from you. How are you feeling about this old-timey baseball movie? <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good, actually. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a lot of notes on this one. Um, there's a lot of people in this that I didn't anticipate being in this. Just reading the credits alone was a roller coaster ride in itself. But, well, there's uh, some people, too, in those credits that, like, they show up for two seconds in this movie because they weren't anybody in 1992. But yet you've seen them in things or they're, be, they're a household name now. Sure, sure. Right, right. Um, and even names like Bill Pullman, I completely forgot about. Him. I was like, oh, sweet, sick. And then, like, I completely forgot about him. And then even, like, I think we see, like, a picture of him and I didn't even, like, recognize him in the picture. And then until, like, I finally saw him, I'm like, oh, that's right. He's in this. So, yeah, I I enjoyed this movie. I I think and I'm right when you first told us what the running time of this movie was. And I kind of feared there might be some creative choices in this movie that maybe could have been left out. There's parts in the second act. It's the second act. It's probably my favorite part of the movie. Just like the, the whole dynamic of all the girls uh, and their camaraderie and them learning about each other and where they're from. And each one of them has an interesting characterization of themselves but i think there's there's definitely some things that can be trimmed off for sure um but i think overall i uh i enjoyed it yeah nice uh bridget how how are you doing is this still hold up for you it does it's a little it's a little diminished from when i last saw it partly because of the length issue like I really felt it this time and mm-hmm. I think I was I was going in with a much more critical eye but I did in my my prep for this episode Penny Marshall's original cut of this movie was four and a half hours long oh, come on <laughs> come, come on is it because they had full-length baseball games in there like is that is that well, why honestly no uh, like don't joke um I would it's never. quite possible. <laughs> it's quite po- <laughs> Yeah, it's- I even yeah, when I saw when they skipped through pretty much all six games of the series and this landed on the seventh, I was like, I guarantee there was probably times where Penny was like, I wanna show more of this. Because yeah. there it seemed like there probably could have been a lot more tension there, especially with the two sisters going against each other, that maybe felt rushed to me at the end where you kind of just follow okay she's on the other team like immediately and now there's a little bit of tension there it could have been built up a lot more if there was more footage of that and then maybe some of the other stuff taken out in the middle like when they're at the studs bucket for like 30 minutes like i I, it's a little much yeah but she was uh penny marshall was very adamant that like they play baseball that they all Mm -hmm. know how to play and be able to do it. Um, There were people who auditioned for this movie, like Marissa Tomei and others who were essentially cut because they could not play. Um, Like Deborah Winger had was initially cast as Dottie and then had a back injury. And there was no working around like, Oh, well we can use the, Hollywood magic to get around it. It's like, oh well, too bad you're cut from the team. Anyways, Gina, <laughs> and then they they cut. Uh, I forget the actress who who plays Kit. They dyed her hair red. Like, nope, Gina's in it now, and you're a redhead. Yeah, so. Lori Lori Petty. Lori Petty, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I kind of I I tried to figure out where she was from in my head, and I finally figured out it was Free Willy. Mm. She is the mother in Free Willy. 
Yeah. I, I thought her, her eyes are so stark and recognizable that I was like, where is she from? Mm. And I think beyond that, she's been in a bunch of TV roles or whatever. But that was like the, I think the first next feature movie she was in after that. Or no, Free Willy was before this. It must have been. Uh, it, I mean, it was definitely early 90s. So if it wasn't yeah. right before this, then it was right afterwards. Uh, it was right afterwards. It was 1993. It's definitely like the greatest hits of like 90s side character movies in this. There's like Bill Pullman and John Lovitz and uh, David Strathan and uh, Rosie O'Donnell. You know, I mean, she goes out to do like the Flintstones and other <laughs> stuff like that. And just there's so many side characters in this. And, and I was kind of blown away that how supporting Tom Hanks was like as opposed to being like in a lead role here. Mm hmm really more of like a side character than he is i mean it's the girls that are the main part of this mm-hmm. yeah i don't think you meet him until about 30 minutes into the movie and he doesn't really dry out until more than halfway through yeah so you don't really get a sense of his true character until really late in the game right and that was like a big not not really you know that he was a drunk or anything. But again, I think that was a, like an issue that I maybe had with kind of in the middle of it. I'm like, Oh no, they're doing like the bad news bears route. It's going to be like the, like the good news girls or something like that. <laughs> it's like, it's going to be, I'm like, Oh no, here we go with the drunk coach or manager. And he's not going to see the talent or they're not going to be talented. And it's like, they finally come together, they get talented and he finally sees it. But the girls are like talented right off the bat, which I, again, goes in the face of the whole bad news bears uh, story if you will but i did enjoy the sort of introduction of him being a lush and everything like the whole conversation he has with the candy bar guy in the beginning about you know well my place was on fire it's like well you set it on fire and like that it just it was a nice exchange of dialogue that i, I thought was really funny yeah i hurt my knee um, falling out the window <laughs> yes like, that was was yeah falling out of the, the hotel, fire was your you hotel window, yeah <laughs> so I, I i enjoyed that i think he he hammed it up a bit and and again a lot it's not i think a lot of the things that maybe i have trouble with tom hanks in this movie because i do have a couple of them are more with the script and maybe the direction i mean he's obviously a very talented guy and it could have gone a different direction but there are some like really like hammed up like funny almost lampoony type of situations in this movie where in other words they you know stick to more like a realistic tone in some parts so there are some sort of contrasting elements to this that i'm like oh okay they're going really somber and then all of a sudden it's like we're approaching like naked gun territory. Yeah. Um, on that note, how did you feel about his first entrance into the locker room where he's absolutely obliterated in peace for 45 Where minutes? he just peed for a while? Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and they're like all like Madonna's timing him or whatever. Yeah, that was good. And it was a good introduction for all the girls to see how much of how ridiculous this person is. And I liked how he's, you know, making calls by rubbing his balls in the dugout and everything. And, you know, <laughs> spitting on da- uh, David Statham's shoes and everything. So I I enjoyed that, and I was I was hoping that, that that wouldn't be the whole movie. I was glad that they sort of he kind of like cleaned up fairly quickly, even though it was kind of like an unrealistic way of cleaning up. I didn't really see an, an idea of like an addiction to this or anything. It comes up like later on, I think on a bus ride where he's drinking a coke or something, but it's like played for laughs, and it, there's nothing really there. I thought he would have like relapsed in the movie at some point, and that would have been like more of a conflict. Because one of the issues I do have in this movie is I don't think the conflict is like that big or major to like – it's like they had to think of a conflict and like, okay, let's just divide the scissors and throw up on different teams. I I didn't – I thought there was going to be like a bigger sort of 
climax, if you will, with this. I enjoyed the whole series at the end, but I thought maybe like Tom Hanks's, you know, uh, alcoholism or something like that would have derailed the team a little more than just a, a, a petty fight between the sisters. Yeah, and I think it's more of almost vignette style movie in that the very beginning is it's just about can we even put this thing together? Like that's the big hurdle. Then they overcome that. Then it's can we get people to care about this? Can we get them to come out for these games? Can we make money with this? Okay, people are loving it. Now what do we do for the finale? Oh, we're going to split the sisters up. And yeah, we're it's... going to put them on opposing teams. So it's almost like three different movies in that regard. And that's probably why those feel a little contrived is because they have to – they basically s- – resolve each issue that they present a third of the way, two thirds of the way. And then at the end, yeah, it's a so bunch like, of, it's a bunch of little wins and it's, it's a movie of moments and it's like, and I, again, I, I think I thoroughly enjoyed it, but there were times where it's like, okay, this, they, like to what you said, one's resolved. Then like a small little issue comes up and then like the next thing comes up. But I mean, I enjoyed like even just sort of a getting the team together. Like uh, John Lovitz is running around sort of, you know, scouting and looking for the girls I enjoyed that part of it. I mean, he, he for that time that he does have in it, some of the lines that he has in the movie are some of the best. <laughs> um, I think one of my favorite ones is when he's like picking up Marla and or Marla's waiting to leave or whatever. And he says something to the effect of the train moves, not the station. Like, I love <laughs> that. line so good. Um, he's, he's one of the better characters there in the beginning because he's just he's so blunt. He's got that perfect like tone of a 1940s man of like, I don't even care what you have to say, woman. (laughs) I know. Yeah. It's like he fell right out of like, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Like a Humphrey Bogart movie or something like that. (laughs) But yeah, he he has some like awkward moments too, where he's gripping like Kit's arm or whatever. He's like, oh, and I'm like, oh, geez, what is happening right now? (laughs) He's he's realizing that that picture's got muscles. Right, right. Maybe she won't be so bad after all. I mean, she's. (laughs) She's not as much of a looker as the as her sister, but um, but I, I it, it's funny because we talk about the time period and everything. I didn't even give it any credence to the fact that this movie was going to be in in the past for whatever reason. I didn't even think about that. Oh, I didn't want to say anything because I wasn't sure you didn't mention it, so I was like, I'm not gonna. Say yeah, it. I did. I, Crap. And, and I caught on fairly quickly, obviously. But <laughs> um, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I, I get it now. It's like we're gonna be in a time period where it's like it's this is all a new frontier, you know what I mean? Like women playing baseball and like, and it's, and I like the fact that it's set during like world war two where it makes sense. You know, the guys are off and, and, and again, I liked the end work. Again, I'm not really too sure historically how true a lot of this is. And I enjoyed the fact they sort of went to like the, the baseball hall of fame and they sort of kind of hit it home really that, that it was, there's a lot of true elements to this. Um, so again, maybe the two of you can sort of jump in at some point on that, but, um, I, I was it was refreshing to see that this was like a movie in the past and not something that's like, I don't know, I couldn't even think of I couldn't even think of the problem, what it would be in the present, why <laughs> we would need a, a league of women, you know, or a league of uh, baseball women that be a problem like today, you know, yeah, yeah just because. But yeah, I mean, the <laughs> league, <laughs> yeah, just let's just get them. Let's just get a league of women. <laughs> Um, the league is real. Uh, so that element of it is based on a true that, story. Yeah. The, the players themselves and the characters in this movie are loosely based on real people, but their names aren't similar. Like they're not trying to play, you know, Dottie. They're not trying to play May. Like they're playing 
facsimiles of people who did exist. What did like the Rockford, the Rockford peaches, right? Did they exist? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The team names are real. The league is real. The, uh, Mr. What was it? Harvey, uh, yeah. is basically Mr. Wrigley, the yeah. chewing gum magnate instead of the chocolate magnate. Ooh, uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And the field they're playing on, uh, Harvey field is actually Wrigley field it is Wrigley. Yeah. Um, well the, where the tryouts are is Wrigley. The other fields, uh, were based on Wrigley where I think where I think where the peaches play, um, okay. is based on Wrigley field. That was true to how it was, uh, back then they played at a stadium that was made to look like Wrigley field. So there are elements of it that do kind of bleed through from the truth, but this whole thing is mostly fictionalized like i don't believe there was a sister duo that played for one team then one of them got traded uh and you know they collided at home plate for the final out of the world (laughs) series like that part is all fantasy Uh, but the the league itself was real it ran from i think 42 or 43 to 54 something like that it might be like 57 it's about it like it's longer than the the war yeah, it does. It outlasts the men coming home. And some of like the movie sets up like it had to get started because Major League Baseball was falling apart. And it kind of was, but they were just pulling like everybody from the minor leagues and even like high school baseball players at the time in. Um, it was mostly set up because, you know, you could fill in these minor league stadiums and then it continued up until the advent of television meant that people could enjoy men playing baseball mm-hmm. at all times. So yeah. Cause speaking these of, speaking of television, that sports. advert they had was ridiculous. Oh, the one with the old woman uh, talking about the masculinization of women. <laughs> oh yeah. All that. They're pouring coffee and it was just like, what is going on right now? <laughs> oh, the, oh, the TV commercials. Where yeah. Like, oh. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. I think the part at the beginning where the, there was like, I think the local Chicago radio station would be like, you'll never oh, yeah, believe I remember this that part, yeah. ladies, but women are doing athleticism. I don't like it one bit. Yeah. <laughs> they should be what home the in the men- kitchen. Yeah. yeah. What are the men going to think? I did laugh a at word, that. Yeah, a word from Miss Marple. <laughs> I know does she like playing ball, but in her spare time she makes a mean cup of joke. Yeah. <laughs> also Marla just Marla in the back of the field. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Oh and my god, like, that shot. Marla yeah. Hooch. Yeah, she's a hitter. Let's make she looks her best, <laughs> yeah, and the like the widest angle possible. Oh, or or Marla. Uh, I love her. She, I love all like all the girls. Like I love all the different different characters. You know, they each each of them gets a little bit of a moment to shine. But I I have a soft spot for Marla and Madonna in this movie. Yeah, I'm I liked. Free- I thought I was gonna like even like when Rosie O'Donnell showed up. I'm like, oh god. Like I knew I knew she was coming and <laughs> pain in other movies, and I thought she was gonna be a big pain here, but she surprisingly wasn't. Um, I, her ridiculous, like Staten Island, uh, accent. I know she's from New York, but I mean, she, she hams it up. She hams it up. Yeah. Um, and, and Madonna was, was good too. I, you know, they obviously took advantage of her sex symbol, you know, status. And there's a lot of shots of her and, you know, they go for the fact that she's the more glamorous, beautiful girl on the team. And, you know, again, like we're talking about like Marla with the wide angle 30 yards away. We got her, you know, with her skirt flapping up and, you know, 
<laughs> so yeah, and I think that's why the scene at uh, Suds's bar or whatever is so long, is so they can give Madonna a full-on dance number. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. If they had had any other actress in that role that was meant to be like the sexy one, the you know the flirt, that I don't think they would have given them the full uh, song and dance number there in the uh, in the first part. And I was trying to think, and if I may not be describing this properly, but I know we had an episode, you know, in the past few episodes where we had someone who's typically not an actor and, and like the director had to sort of or they gave them a part in the script that would sort of feed to their talents if you will and i couldn't think of who it was but maybe we can think of it you know oh i think you're th- maybe robin williams in good morning vietnam maybe that's it like, yeah you're right that, maybe that is, that is exactly it yeah be be what you need to be, be yeah be what you need to be for two or five minutes let the cameras roll that's 100 percent what it is nice mm-hmm. call but she was great in it. Um, you're, I mean, you're absolutely on the uh, right bridge. All the girls, I think, did a, a really good job, and they're all unique. Some of them don't get as much screen time. Like I think, like Alice gets yelled at like every scene that she <laughs> just gets yelled at. Poor Alice. And then uh, Evelyn with her kid that still oh, well. she should be she should be at the bottom of a well right now. Um, <laughs> still, still at the bottom of a well. <laughs> Um, they should have traded the bus driver for that kid. Like, leave the kid on the side of the road with a chocolate bar. Let him walk to the stadium. He could use it, and then they'll drive because he he blew it. Who plays peekaboo with the driver of a bus? <laughs> I, the, the minute that happened, I'm like, oh my god, this 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 is this is how the movie really derails. Actually, the bus goes off the fucking cliff or into the, the corn stalks where wherever we are in the uh, the movie. I will say, I, even though I hated the kid, I warmed to the fact that he was sort of like a dartboard for like Tom Hanks throughout. You know what I mean? Like, get, uh, Evelyn, get, take care of your kid. And, you know, the, the glove being thrown at his face was like, a, like I said before we went on, probably the most rewarding part of the movie for me. Um, and then I absolutely, when we went to the present, I was like, I know we're going to see that motherfucker again. I know we're going to see him again. <laughs> And, and, and as much as as much as I had like like hate in my face for this kid when I when I when I knew he was gonna come back, he had a very poignant moment. So I think he maybe redeemed himself in a little bit. Um, that but, dude, that older actor, whoever he was, I know I've seen him in a million things. He was he good. Really, he really nailed the yeah, and it was like he did oh, the yeah. face and everything. He absolutely nailed it, and you feel sympathy for him because his mom passed away. So right, right. It, you can't really funny. hate him. Right, right. And we're talking about like, uh, you know, casting uh, later, uh, you know, people for other, you know, earlier moments, but for like Kit and Dottie, they look like, are these, is that makeup on them or that's like a different, oh, it's a different, different actress? actress. It yeah. looked great. And, and especially Kit, the woman they found for Kit had the same like eyes and she looked exactly the same. And I was like, and you know, they did play with like your emotions at the end of the way they sort of revealed each person. Like, is this person going to be dead or alive? Or is this person going to be dead or alive? Like with Kit, they didn't show like way the end. And I, I don't really know why they did that unless to reveal the fact that she was producing like an ass load of kids over the last 30 years or so. Well, she I had like 50 kids with her. Yeah, and they teased it a bit at the beginning in the first uh, present day scene where older Dottie was like, she's not going to go. Like she's got her family. She's traveling with her husband. Like she's not going to be there. So I think that's why they save it for the end to really draw out the fact that you're like, oh, is – is she going to be there? Because we were told she probably won't be. So, like, is she going to be there? Like, that's the one we all want to see. So that's the real I completely forgot moment. about that. I was probably listening to that re- crazy 90s Hans Zimmer score that was happening in the beginning. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? I'm on board with this. 
<laughs> while I was reading like Bill Pullman and Rosie O'Donnell stacked together and like also starring, um, <laughs> th- there was a lot of emotions in the first like five minutes of this movie. And yeah. especially uh, Dottie like getting the glove and pounding it. And I was like, holy shit. She's about to put her fists right through the thick. So, I, yeah, I totally missed that part then about, uh, you know, them not sure if she's going to be there or not. Yeah, it was with, they were bickering with the Dottie's daughter where she's like, you got to go. Like, everyone, you're going to see Aunt, you know, Aunt Kit. And she's like, no, she won't. No, no. <laughs> if I won't even remember me, no. Right. Yeah, that's a weird. That was, it, I had forgotten about that part of the movie. They set up fake weird non-tension of, oh, my sister doesn't want to see me. It's too many... Like, it's so you know, unneeded, yeah. We don't need it, except to hear the rock Especially for as movies as long as it is, start. and for how they don't cut back at all to what's happening there. Mm-hmm. It's like, for me, like, maybe you guys have seen this before, so you may be like, oh, I'm gonna, like, maybe remember this more than I did when I first watched it. For me, I forgot about the first, that the fact that the, even the beginning sort of happened outside of the credits, that we it were, you know. It didn't need it, to be there. Like it, it didn't have didn't. a lasting power whatsoever. So when no. we finally did return to present, and I knew we were going to come back to it, but I was like, okay, I, was there? What did they talk about before we went to the 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 past and everything? So again, that's obviously maybe some pertinent information about why, like, where's the sister? Da 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 da. So but. yeah, but I think you still could have got the same emotional payoff even if you did, because like if you ju- if you take out that whole beginning part and you just start with them playing that softball game, you establish the tension there that you know Kit doesn't like when Dottie is overbearing or tells her what to do, you know, regular sibling rivalry type stuff. You set that up right at the beginning. It's there throughout the movie uh, to get to the big payoff in the final game. And then you'd still have that like, oh my God, is Kit like, I almost would have preferred to be like, oh, is Kit still, is Kit still alive? Like, oh my God, I hope they are. Because the last thing we saw of them, they were at odds, but kind of making up. Like, I really hope that they can share in this wonderful moment of celebrating history yeah, that's, together. Yeah, I mean, that's basically how I felt. That's how I treated the movie, because essentially I just did not remember the beginning of the movie whatsoever. <laughs> so it was basically what you're saying is that alternate version that I saw with <laughs> with, the, ad, with the added awesome 90s Hans Zimmer music in the beginning. Yeah. And then just, just so you know, so that I do remember this because I definitely have seen it in either reels with Tom Hanks or whatever, but the scene with there's no crying in baseball. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's a hundred percent where I've seen this movie. It was from that scene mm-hmm. and that's where I've seen it. So yeah, that's the iconic moment. That, that's the iconic it. moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think I was reading it ranks like number 54 on the all time greatest film quotes of all time kind of thing. So I'm sure in some kind of AFI AMC tribute award, something you've seen that clip. Yeah. Uh, and it's a good clip. I mean, and it's one of the first times that you really see him caring about the game. I think it's, I think that game is the one where he first starts arguing with Dottie about calling the plays. And then, or it's that part of that montage where he really yeah. actually starts to care about the team and kind of is the pivot point for that character turning around and becoming a real baseball coach instead of just, a guy getting paid to sit there on the bench and wave his hat around and smile. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's a great scene. It's a great quote. I mean, it's probably not as good as when John Lovett says, "I'm gonna go and give my wife a little tickle pickle," <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh, nonetheless, it's a. Uh, it was a great sequence that I enjoyed, and that was another thing too. I was like, it, when they're going through and showing that, oh damn, like Tom Hanks's character, you know, Jimmy dies at the end or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, because it must be because he was 
all these girls are probably in their early 20s and Jimmy's probably in his 30s or whatever. So I was like, okay, he must be dead. And then they show John Lovitz and the candy guy and and everyone else. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, why did he have to die? So I was just, it was curious to see that like John Lovitz character was there and all these other like much older people that, maybe not that much older, but the girls are definitely in their early 20s and all the guys doing the business are, I would say, conservatively or like in their like mid 30s. Yeah, I think based on the date, I think Tom Hanks' character was born in 1906. So that would put him almost four. It put him at like 37 when the league started. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Then no wonder he probably just passed away of old age. And then you see, you know, John Lovett still smoking a cigar in the Baseball Hall of Fame or pretending yeah. to at least smoke one. Um, I mean, the alcoholism probably sped things up a little bit. Probably a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Got to some kidney failure or something in the, <laughs> the mid 80s. Who knows? Right. Uh, yeah, I thought one thing because I know so like when they're at Wrigley Field for the tryouts and everything, and they show the girls the the you know what they're going to be wearing the uniforms. I'm like, oh, this is going to be like a big like thing where the girls are going to be fighting for like getting like the regular, uh, you know, uniforms the men wear throughout. And then it just seemed to be a non-issue like after the fact they sort of drop it. Besides the fact they do a lot to sort of accentuate the fact how tough it was by the girls getting like road rashes essentially, like mm-hmm. sliding to third base and everything. So I thought that was kind of brutal. And I did like just quickly just like look it up while I was watching it. And like the girls actually did get a lot of that during the move, the filming itself. So I was like, yikes. But yeah, uh, I think that one super gnarly bruise that they show on the back of that girl's thigh, where oh, it's brutal. like it's almost like bottom of the butt to the top of the knee. She had that of uh, that actress. That was a real bruise that she got sliding and playing the game. And apparently she had it for almost a year or over a year. Like it it went on into the next year. Wow. That she just had she was just walking around with that with that big shiner on her leg. <laughs> That's wild. So that so that was like a point that I thought that maybe we're we're gonna like the girl the girls are gonna fight throughout the entire time to like get play baseball the same way the boys did and it was just maybe a battle they just lost like fairly quickly and there was no use sort of fighting it beyond that. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that I like about this movie is it's not this, it doesn't feel like a commercial, a commercial, like feminist, strong female characters. We're going to, we're going to make sure we can wear pants. Like that feels to me like the really cheapo, move whereas to one they did actually play in in those uniforms but two of you know david straithern comes out and says there are 36 girls who will play in a bathing suit if i ask them to do you want to do this or not and mm-hmm. they 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 acquiesce but the the stronger female characters come out not because they're doing these strong things or you know sticking up and they've got a lot of moxie but you see it in their interactions with one another you see it running through their relationships with one another how they support one another it's just you know i like it for that reason no and i'm and 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 i don't mean to come off saying it's a disappointment yeah no 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 i know I just um, thought they were like, I, like I, I could have easily like anyone sort of like if you hit pause, we would have had a discussion. I think a lot of us who would, maybe didn't see the movie like this is probably going to be like an issue that the the girls are going to somehow maybe want to fight for it, and it's going to be just like another little plot point in it. But I'm glad they sort of didn't do that because they just it just accentuated how much how tough how tough or tougher the girls are in the sport. Yeah, and I think had it been made nowadays, you might have a rah rah speech from one of the characters that'd be like, "We deserve better." 
we work hard, you know, we're out there the same amount of time and, and all that, like rah-rah moments. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, it is 1943 and women have less than no say. So like it, it's, it's good from a historical standpoint, obviously, because you're right, Bridget, they did end up playing in those, you know, and they were made of wool and they played in the summertime in hundred degree Midwestern heat. So uh, I wouldn't want to do that, let you know, in pants or anything. So, uh, you know, props to them for, for getting dirt in the skirt, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not that boss or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that too, I mean, obviously they did, they wore those uniforms or they, they made them wear those uniforms to sexualize the sport, but the girls like ran with it. You know what I mean? They, they, they sort of accepted it and then just went with it. You know what I mean? They could have, kicked around and complain the fact that they have to keep wearing them and they're getting, you know, beat up and the, the guys are throwing peanuts at them and whistling at them and cat calling them from the stands. Um, but they, they enjoyed it. Cause I think they knew that maybe this is how we get an audience and this is how we get, I don't know. They, they had more fun with it. I think by not fighting it. Well, and that's one of the differences between the movie and real life is that um, from what I was reading, the real league didn't have trouble getting off the ground. It was a hit from the get-go because people were clamoring to see these games because, like Bridget was saying, they, well, they were filling up Midwestern minor league baseball stadiums that didn't have the players because they sent those players to the majors. So they were playing in towns that couldn't see real baseball, so they were desperate to go see these real players, these real games. They didn't care so much that they were women. They were just excited to see baseball. Interesting. I'm, sh- I'm sure there would have been chauvinists at, at the time that would have been like, I ain't watching no dame play no games. Like it would have happened, but it wasn't the same level of uh, girls. I don't know. We're just we're on thin ice here. They're gonna they're gonna cut the league if we don't st- if we don't have Dottie do a split and get on right. the cover of Life magazine. Uh, yeah. So like that part of it, which makes for good makes for a good movie to show that yeah. extra piece of adversity. Mm-hmm. It it wasn't exactly how it was in the real uh, yeah. in the real game is that life magazine cover like iconic were they sort of trying to emulate that or was that just sort of like a uh, a creative way of sort of interjecting that story into popular culture yeah i don't think so i haven't seen anything that says uh, i haven't seen that cover it just seemed like maybe something they would have replicated or whatever just to cuz it was a pretty cool shot with the the, the skirt and the you know sliding into third or whatever it was no the only thing i can see is the the gina davis version of that uh of that magazine cover just by searching the league and life magazine now i wrote this down and i must have thought it was really funny because i kind of like underlined it and now i don't even remember the the context of it but gracefully and grandly oh when they're doing the uh finishing school (laughs) Oh oh yeah that's right i thought that was so funny laughed a lot during that whole sequence because it was so and that was another thing that i thought that maybe i don't know it was a weird part of the movie because i didn't know what they were trying to like say about the girls whether they they just they didn't have what it was to be ladies but it seemed like a lot of the girls were sort of uprooted out of their lives where maybe they did play baseball but they knew how to do all that stuff anyway so i wasn't really sure what the end goal was with that sequence but i don't know maybe bridget you have some better insights than i do uh, and that is that is a, a realistic choice. Um, part of the expectations for the league of the uniforms, they had to uh, attend the sort of finishing school etiquette 
lessons uh, like is shown in the movie. Um, and then one of the other uh, stipulations was they had to wear lipstick. Um, so it's at least a, a realistic choice. Um, and I think part of it was to kind of bring everyone to the same level, like just like you would do spring training, like, sure. all right, can we all do this? In addition to you know, training to be good baseball players, there's also you have to train to be a good lady. So while Betty Spaghetti and Dottie as housewives, you know, they know to cross their ankles and not their knees. They know yeah. how to sip and not slurp. Um, you've got to get Rosie O'Donnell and Marla Hooch at least to a D. Right, right. <laughs> D- I mean, D- it totally plus. makes it totally makes sense for a movie scene. It's undeniably yeah. an entertaining sequence, but I just think in the in the scheme of things, if it was historically accurate that mm-hmm. these girls it, were sort of put through a, uh, you know, yeah. a and candor it, boot camp, if you will, of how to you know conduct yourselves, mm-hmm. um, despite sort of like sliding in dirt like for the next you know nine seasons or next uh, nine months. I mean, yeah, and it's it you know it does present uh, a shield for critics like we see the woman complaining on the radio these women are being masculinized and what are what are our men going to come home to if oh no no they're not you know it's they're not going to walk into they leave their baby and they come back to babe ruth they're <laughs> serving tea you know what i mean there's a you know you're trying to save face it's like we're not pushing the envelope too much don't you worry kind of yeah. thing but I did like how the finishing school bit came right after they set all of the rules. Like not only did they do, not only did they throw the skirts in their face, but then they were like, "Oh yeah, no cigarettes, no alcohol, no boys. You've got a chaperone, and you have to go to finishing school." So I like that that was just like one hit after the another. Uh, though I did really enjoy Rosie O'Donnell stuffing biscuits. <laughs> oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> trying to drink tea. <laughs> I did think that was a. Uh... That was really funny. Uh, so what did you guys think of the overall baseball in this? Did you guys enjoy the the baseball parts of it? I think they did a good job of, you know, and that was another thing that I wanted to touch on before when we were talking about good baseball movies is educating the viewer, like, of the game. Because I think maybe a lot of people don't understand baseball or they think it's boring. And, you know, I think many people think it's boring, don't really understand the sport. So I – for someone – and again, I, I, I'm a casual baseball player. I, I understand the game, obviously, but – um, I'm not an avid watcher as much as Adam is, but I did notice a lot of parts where they didn't really need to say certain things or certain calls or certain like the certain plays, you know, the way they did. Um, so I enjoyed that, and I more more uh, over enjoyed the fact that the girls actually played. So I did enjoy the baseball el- uh, element of it, and I thought all each each one of them brought like why that person would have been there. I mean, I think maybe Rosie O'Donnell would have been catcher, but you know, it's it's it. it, it, it I thought all the girls did a really good job with it. Yeah. And I mean, this movie has a lot of things, a lot of different themes, elements swirling through it. Uh, It is a baseball movie, but that's not why I like this movie necessarily. (laughs) Uh, It's a, it's a lady movie. It's a a historical movie. Um, It ends at a museum. Um, (laughs) So those, these are the things that I key into personally. And the baseball, in a lot of ways, is just a backdrop to that. So I don't feel like I could speak to the the quality of the baseball outside of saying 
I know that Penny Marshall and all of the, the actresses involved were very committed to trying to make it look as real as possible. Adam, what's your take? I mean, I definitely think it came off really well. Their swings seemed fluid. Not only did it seem like they were playing baseball, but the way in which they were playing it seemed like they were also playing 1940s baseball. Like when you look at how batters swing in 2021, it's very different from how batters swung in the 40s and the 50s. Like it, It's the same game in so many respects, but when you watch that old archival footage and you watch documentaries and you watch these older games, there's a different, and I don't know if it's because of the cameras, but it almost looks like there's a different speed to the game. A hundred percent. Yeah, I was going to say that. It seems like there's like even you when you see it in the film reels at the beginning, when they're showing you clips of Joe DiMaggio and Ted Williams and all these players who are about to go off uh, to war, you're seeing how the way their body moves is so much different than the way a batter would be now where so many of them, they stand in there, they're ready to take, you know, the a hit if the ball comes in, like they're sitting back, they're keeping their hands back and they're powering through. Whereas like, Back then, they were just throwing everything they had into those swings and throwing their like whole body into it. And it was a different style that was being played. And I think they conveyed that really well here, where it's not just that they were playing baseball and playing baseball convincingly, but they were playing convincingly 1940s baseball, which is a, a testament, I think, to, to Penny Marshall wanting to go in and get a, a realism to this. Uh, that maybe somebody else might not have wanted to go that extra mile with. Yeah, I even noticed like the stances were very like all timey and like the way they threw the baseball. I think there was like to, to your point, I think maybe more of an elegance to the sport. Not to say there's nothing elegant about it now, but it's there's more speed and ferocity about what you see today. And back then, there's like more arcs to the throws. It's more of like a there's more of like a respect to like oh like if maybe if someone launched the ball like as fast as they could right to third to get someone out or whatever it would have been all come off as like disrespectful to like the game because of how quick you did it you know what I mean back mm-hmm. then it, like it was just and again the girls are, are are throwing a little slower and then also too I think just the clothing in general is just not as athletic looking as today where it's like skin tight and you see these guys the way they move um, I mean here I mean you got the skirts and everything but I mean the guys wore like these baggy pants and the baggy shirts and it was just like the the hat looked like an old sock you know what I mean it was just <laughs> so I mean there's just certain elements of it that don't make it look as fierce and uh, rapid as today's uh, baseball but it's a very good point that I think there was definitely some some interest and effort put into making it look like it was you know old baseball and not so much like early 90s minor league uh, baseball Mm -hmm. i mean there was a couple of inaccuracies in terms of things that they were doing like i think the very first moment when they're playing the softball game there's a part where Dottie's telling kit like okay they're gonna throw it and when they throw it inside you got to pull the ball because there's a huge gap in right field only problem is is that kit is a righty and if she pulled the ball she'd hit it to left field not right field uh, and then I mean, I that's was there. a money ball shit right there, dude. I but know. Yeah. <laughs> I know that, but that's just like, that was like a thing I noticed of she, she gets up there and she gets this little speech about where to hit the ball. And then I see her and she's walking, like she's going to go stand in the left-hand batter's box. And then she spins around. I go, wait a minute. She was just supposed to hit it inside to wait a second. What's going on here? <laughs> um, and then I also got confused at the end where they're like, guys, we did it. We made the playoffs. And I'm like, there's four teams who didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> 
Though I think that might be just the difference in how the game was played back then, where there wasn't the long series. It was, you know, you won the pennant and then you were in the World Series. And I think that was just the use of the word playoffs there threw me for a second, rather than like, we did it. We made the World Series. It was, we made the playoffs. Like, who's playing off? Oh, there's four teams. You're all in the playoffs. <laughs> or you're in the championship. There is no, there's no playoffs per se, I guess. So that I think that was just a... A vernacular thing that kind of threw me for a loop a little bit but um, so we touched on it a little bit but the crux of the film and the the real through line through all these different vignettes is the relationship between kit and dotty how did you guys feel about the sibling rivalry did you enjoy that aspect of the movie did it feel i know we kind of said that it felt a little forced at the end the way they split them up but what did you guys think overall as we went through with this constantly coming back to Kit feels belittled by Dottie. Dottie feels, you know, maybe she's pushing a little bit. How did you guys feel about that dynamic? I don't know. Like, yeah, it just it, it was it was kind of thrown together. But once the excitement and the music and I will say it was shot very well. I like it the way it was shot. Um that it, I got kind of swept up in it and I'm like, I, cause then even then I didn't really know how it was going to end because it was like, what team are you going to let her team win? Or are you just going to like, is she going to get hurt somehow? Or the, you know, the, you know, the peach is going to come on top. I didn't really know what was going to happen. So in that respect, it still kind of surprised me a bit, but I think kind of going into it, I was like, I just, I knew they were kind of searching for a conflict at this point. Cause up until then I was like, what is the conflict right now of the story? Because I didn't really see one anticipating one coming. Again, we talked about Tom Hanks' addiction. We talked about the girls maybe not being as good as baseball. They were excellent. So I didn't really know what was going to really happen. I did, I did fear that one of the girls, uh, boyfriends or, uh, or husbands was going to die. Like, when that absolute fuckhead showed up in the locker room and like totally mismanaged the or handled the all the uh, the letters about the the guys dying and I'm like what a fucking I get this guy out of here like he's he's not he's now first and and still well is second so <laughs> it's uh, true you but, have uh, to think too he, that guy must deliver these all the time like that's got to be his job is delivering oh, yeah. things from the war department and. I get that things don't get put on lists and there's things, but like, how do you not have the tact to know that you're going into a room of women, many of whom have someone they care about overseas that they haven't heard from in weeks and you're going to fumble it that, that badly. Yeah. I don't know. I, I got to imagine that like uh, in the scheme of things against all the other characters in the movie, that would have been the most stark contrasting, like dark character in the movie, this sort of like grim reaper guy showing up and being like, um, okay, I'm looking for, you know, da 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 da. And then it's like, that's me. So I think they kind of had to instill some sort of like weird lampoony nature to him that like fit in the mold of the movie. But he came off, like I said, as a complete fuckhead um, and just completely screwed it up. But I think that's I, I try to justify why they maybe did that. But I still hate the guy. <laughs> yeah, I you definitely you hate the guy. And I do. I hate that scene a little bit. And I always forget that the 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 telegram carrier is played a bit for laughs because I always remember that scene as very tense, you know, the walk across the locker room of mm -hmm. who, who, who is Jimmy walking towards? Uh, is it Dottie or is it Betty? That when 
that clown does show up, I'm like, I'm both mad at him and I'm mad at the artistic choice to basically like let a party clown loose in a funeral home. <laughs> right, right. And I would that say it, too- that's what it feels like tone wise. Yeah, and I even think the way Jimmy handled it too was kind of like, oh, do you really got to like keep him more on edge with what's going on? I think I don't know how you would have like done that with all the girls in the room, but I think going down the line and being like, it's like each one of them's having a heart attack right before they're relieved, and then it's like mm-hmm. the last girl at the end has like the most heart attacks out of all of them because she's dealing with the most sort of stress that it's gonna be me, it's gonna be me, it's gonna be me. Um, so I thought that was a odd choice for him to sort of like go down the line like peter pan with his fucking sword and hook you know what i mean so i he had a very aw shucks like private pile kind of moment where it's like yeah. okay don't like walk in here and be like i'm i'm so sorry there's there's no name i don't know who to i have to i'm so i'm so sorry like be apologetic and you still get that because i do think that that's a very tension and heartfelt filled moment where you're just like oh oh fuck damn it like someone one of them just lost their whole life like right shit now, Johnny, was there any point in that little walkabout that you thought that they were going to give the letter to Dottie, given that I think a couple scenes before was when she was on the bus with Jim and talking about how she hadn't heard from from Bill and, or Bob in three weeks. He was over in Italy. He's fighting. He's deployed. Like, did you think at any point that that was going to be something that would happen to one of the main characters or did you think that there was going to be a fake out? I thought, yeah, I thought like since like the movie had sort of brushed over all these small little conflicts throughout, they wouldn't like just throw like a death into the movie. Like it would have been like a telegram that like he's home safe, he's coming home. And it's like, oh, like, oh, we all breathe a sigh of relief. Now let's go play baseball. So I didn't really anticipate something like that. And and if anything, I didn't anticipate being Dottie's. I anticipated maybe some of the other wives because if it was her, then the whole movie kind of gets derailed and it's. I guess there would be like the big conflict, but I didn't think I thought it would have been like too cheap to do that. I think the filmmakers were a little smarter than that to, to go that route. So I thought it was going to be a little less severe of an issue for the movie. I mean, obviously, someone's going to have to take the hit, but I don't think it was going to be Dottie. But I also thought, too, that it was just going to be like you said, like a fake out. It was going to be, a you know, a telegram that one of them was going to be coming home safe. So. That was that's how I sort of perceived the scene. And I thought and I thought when Jimmy saw the telegram that maybe he saw it and he was sort of like grimly, you know, like making a dark joke that like, aha, I'm just joking. Like, they're all fine. So I didn't really I, I like I didn't know like what the, what to expect. I thought he's going to get all because he's a, he Jimmy's Tom Hanks plays. I carry very erratically throughout the entire movie. Like, I think there are some times where he has like these quiet moments, especially I think one of the finer moments in it is when he's sort of having that conversation with Dottie right before she leaves with Bill Pullman to like go to Yellowstone to not get attacked mm-hmm. by a bear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that he has like a good moment about, you know, you know, it's about playing hard and all that stuff. And I thought that was really poignant and stuff, but I think that was, that's obviously before this happened because we see the guy there and everything. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I he seemed like such like a weird sort of up and down character for me that I could, he's unpredictable. I think is the, the, how I describe it. Mm-hmm. So kind of being there at that point in the film, what did you think about the fact that the the team we had been following this whole time ultimately loses the championship? I know the sports movie typically ends on the high note where, you know, the team overcomes everything and they they walk off with the championship. How did you feel about this having kind of like a Rocky moment where the the protagonist doesn't win in the end? I, I liked it. I, I enjoyed the fact that they, they didn't win. I liked it. 
you know, you know, I obviously wasn't expecting a slow clap or anything because I don't think that was very popular back then. But that that I think it was the right route to go. Again, I think if the scissors didn't split up, then obviously I think maybe the team should have just won because at that point, like they probably just should have. But with this, it was more or less like handing sort of like a win over to the sister, I think, more than that, than that team. So it made sense to me that they sort of went that route ultimately. But again, I'm I'm I was happy to see that the movie pleasantly surprised me with not the unpredictability of sort of like how that game seven was going to play out. So I I did enjoy it, despite the fact that I think the the climax or the conflict of the, the, the story was sort of put together just to sort of have one last one last stressful moment for the audience. Yeah, I always, I don't know, the the sister tension always plays flat for me. I think partly because I don't like the character of Kit. Oh, you don't? I, I don't. I find her annoying. But I'm an older sister, so I have no patience. Um, <laughs> wow. You're not playing that game. I just, like, I have no sympathy for you. Not really. But it just, you know, the... The, the conflict that I find the most compelling is, you know, Dottie's internal conflict of, am I going to stay in the, the game? Am I going to stick with the league and do this thing that I, I do find really fulfilling? Because as much as she keeps saying, oh, I don't like this. Oh, I don't want to do this. It's clear from her actions uh, that she really does love the game and she wants to win up to the point that you know, a different movie would have had her go to the pitcher and say, you know, throw her this pitch that I know she can hit out of the park. She is trying to beat Kit. Like, she knows that she's going to try to hit this high pitch and not be able to do it. But she goes back and forth between, do I want to do this thing that I love and find personally fulfilling, or am I going to do stay with this sort of commitment this path I've already somewhat started down that's much more typical and it's really interesting to see all of the her teammates are on a sort of similar journey like Rosie's character kind of sums it up like I always felt like a weird girl I always felt like a strange girl and now I'm sort of coming into my own Um, and that it makes the tension at the end of her not wanting to go to Cooperstown of like, I don't really want to confront this life that I chose to leave behind. Because she's I comfortable. Think if, yeah. Because she, and not just because she's comfortable, but I think because there's an element of grief for Dottie of, I grieve the fact that I did not, there's a part of me that really wish I had done it. Yeah. Like, had stuck with it. But I chose kids, I did that thing. And, like, that is sort of this... I don't know. I just, I yeah. like that. Yeah. I will say though, like I know t- now thinking about like Dottie's character, like against all the other characters, she's so stiff and kind of boring now that I'm like really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like she's just like, cause that that's, and that's why you said, Oh, I don't like Kit. Like if I had to choose, I like Kit over Dottie. I'm like, well, I love, or excuse me, I like Dottie over Kit. Like I like Kit over Dottie because she actually has like a, like a personality of sorts. I know, you know, Dottie's sort of like the backbone of like the, the the team and she's sort of getting all the girls together when they're sort of acting up or whatever. But it's kind of like even at the end when they first like see her, it's like it's hard to like, it's like elbow a laugh or like a like smile out of her. It's like cut loose, Dottie. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like why are you always like ain't like why are you always like you're stiff as a board? So 
that's why I think all the other characters around her are so much more interesting that she kind of sticks out as being that sort of like, you know, the party pooper, if you will, in the whole thing. So I enjoyed a lot of the characters in this movie, but I would say like Dottie, she has her moments, but she's just, there's like not, there's nine other, pl- there's eight other people in the story or just well, Tom Hanks nine that are just a lot more interesting. I feel like though, if this was a different movie, like if this was a, a different movie set in 1943, you Dottie would fit in a lot better. But because oh. this is kind of like an outsider's movie in, in the 1940s, uh, that's why she feels so stiff and so different from everybody else is because she's not really an outsider. Like, yeah, she plays baseball, but and she works, you know, on the farm and everything, but she's very prim and proper. She's very like she doesn't want to go out to the bar. She even says at one point, like, no, I'm not going to go have fun, guys. I can't. I'm married. Yeah. Like, I have to. I'm not allowed to have fun it's almost like a, what would my husband think if he saw me going out and having drinks and talking to boys? Like, I I can't believe it. I shan't be doing this. Uh, so I feel like in that's why she sticks out so much is because she's not a character the way that a Rosie O'Donnell or a Madonna are. She's very much a 1940s woman in that respect, which is very, you know, lockstep, very much yeah, you know, proper, respectful. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So but I, I do think, though, like they could have used that and being like slowly, you know, have her breaking the rules and taking a sip of alcohol and, you know, hanging with the girls, you know, breaking a wind, you know, this something to sort of like make her feel more a part of this sort of like rowdy bunch, if you will, yeah. that again, she's just there's no character development for her, I think, is a good way to put it. She's the same person in the beginning of the movie and the same person at the end of the movie. And I, I you could say that for the other supporting characters, but that's not the supporting character is not their job to develop. It's the main character of the movie. So for her, there's really nothing changes with her really besides sort of realizing that her sister is, you know, every bit as good as maybe she is in baseball. But there's no sort of like behavior changes or personality changes or sort of, you know, I I don't think it's the movie's uh, point to really do that. I think you really just, is supposed to have a lot of fun with it. I know we're having a lot of serious talks about this movie, but I think just all the characters around her are like that much more interesting. And I don't know if you think about something like with the Sandlot with what's it, the, the kid smalls or whatever. I think mm-hmm. he grows like throughout the movie. Like what you see of all these interesting characters around him, but he grows into like from being this like meek little kid who can't catch a baseball to someone who's like, very formidable and can uh, be rowdy with the guys and can throw jokes around the guys laugh at here. Dottie doesn't like change like one iota. So it's, it's, it's an interesting comparison, maybe not a fair one, but yeah, that's kind of how I sort of saw all the characters in this movie. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. I think it's more so it's Dottie doesn't change, but I, I find the sort of the, the choice that's put before her, that conflict more interesting than, you know, the way the, the her and Kit's sort of interpersonal conflict plays out. Yeah. Um, Cause you, you as the viewer, you know, I like, I feel sad when she doesn't get back on the bus, when she's going back with her, drippy husband bill pullman <laughs> said hitting the road with tom hanks again and oh yeah and stillwell's toys in the under the the coach bus <laughs> like 
go back for one more season. I will um, say, if, if we're at that scene right there, I, I have to really quickly bring up when the kids go up and try and get Jimmy's autograph, and he goes, avoid the clap. And, uh, I love that. <laughs> and then they're running off. He's like, it's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh, man. Yeah, that was, that was that was a good scene. And again, it has that scene with Tom Hanks sort of talking to Dottie. So that was a good scene there. Well, um, and it shows his development, too, because when he's asked for an autograph earlier in the movie, I mean, granted, he's wasted, but he rips up the card and wants no part of it. He wants no part of his previous life, of his fame, of anything having related to his time in baseball. He's just like, I'm just here for the paycheck. Get out of my face. And then at the end, he, you know, granted, he does it in his own Jimmy-like yeah. way with avoid the clap. Uh, but it at least shows that he's grown as a character as well. Right, right. Again, so, I think that I wish there was more of like a sort of uh, transition, if you will, period for him stopping drinking opposed to just like stopping mm-hmm. immediately. It seems yeah. like for a guy that has a problem, he really doesn't have a problem if he can stop that quick on a dime. Yeah, you never get that like intervention moment or that yeah. you've got to shape up. Uh, you get it a little bit where he spits on that guy's shoes with the dip where the guy was like, come on, man, like we need you to do a little bit more here. But even then, he's not a quick turnaround. He still shows up drunk a, a couple more times. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. There's no big intervention savior kind of moment or even a moment where he comes out sober and everyone's like, wow, Jimmy sober. Wow. I can't believe it. Like, <laughs> like there's no point where anyone acknowledges the fact that he's not wasted anymore. Yeah. And it's uh, funny because Tom Hanks, Jimmy's character ends up being like the funniest when he's sober and not when he's drunk. You know what I mean? There are funny scenes with that. The whole scene where he's talking about uh, the cutoff man with Evelyn is excellent, where his hands are just shaking like uncontrollably, like his face is twitching. I'm like, this is like almost like peak Tom Hanks right here, what I'm watching. So I enjoyed that element a lot. But yeah, I mean, it's the transition isn't there, but I'm glad because he's really not the story, which again, mm-hmm. back then, again, you see you have Big and Splash, and maybe a couple other ones, but I don't think. I, he is a household name at that point, but he's not like supposed to be like taken seriously like he is like later on with some yeah. of the movies. Because Philadelphia, I think, is the year after this, so you have Oscar number one, and then Forrest Gump right after. So he hasn't, you know, ascended to godhood yet. Godhood. <laughs> at, the, at the point that this movie comes out, I think something that I like about baseball movies and i guess this is sort of there in all sports movies but baseball always seems a little bit more mystical like there's something very spiritual about the sport of baseball and i think that comes across with jimmy's character and sort of the the sobriety apparently one of the studio notes for this movie is they wanted they wanted more of a sort of romantic undercurrent between Dottie and jimmy and they wanted her in particular to be the one to like make him sober up which they, they hint at it, but it's not really her. What I think actually happens is the sport of baseball and the love of baseball is mm-hmm. what makes Jimmy get sober. And that's right. like the higher power, um, which is just something that I, which is why I like, I think, baseball movies out of all sports mm-hmm. movies and just baseball in general. That's an interesting studio note, though. I don't know if I maybe would have preferred that movie over this one. I do mm-hmm. like this movie I, a lot, I but I so. would I would have loved to see what that would have looked like, though. Yeah, well, because it's a, and that's another thing, like that is great. Because that, because that is a conflict. Like that is like, okay, we're 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 cleaning you up, and I'm helping you get clean, but I'm starting to kind of like you, and I don't really miss my husband as much, and now 
we have a relationship carrying on and we're in the, the peak of our season trying to win everything. And now my star player and the manager are in a relationship and holy shit, Bill Pullman's back. We're about to go into games. So there's like, it just seems like a much bigger it's a different movie. It's a yeah. different movie. And I, and I'm not, and I'm not saying I maybe prefer that movie. It's just such an interesting idea that conflict wise, it's so much better than the conflicts in this movie. Which is for the better because this movie's not meant to be that movie. So I understand yeah. that, and I'm not hoping to have had the movie be replaced there. But that's it's, like a, a good movie, I think, right there in itself. It could be, yeah. But I like, you know, you said it perfectly, Adam. This is a vignettes movie, and I love when a movie is just like, we're going to look at a bunch of characters going through all the tiny conflicts in this one period of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was younger, I always thought there was romantic tension between the two of them. I think just because Tom Hanks could have tension with like a, a vase. Yeah. I mean, it is there. It. It's there a it's little there. bit. Yeah. But the thing that she's attracted to again is baseball as a sort of spiritual concept. And he represents, you know, I could do this. I would be really good at this. What if I stayed? That's the temptation. The temptation isn't romantic. It's, yeah. But I'm saying, like, maybe she could have fallen in love with, like, the fact that he's so in love with the spirit of baseball and teaching her a little bit about his sort of ways of baseball that that's maybe an element that she would have fallen in love with. Now, she's not falling in love with his face. She's falling in love with the fact that he loves baseball as much as she does. It's almost like the love of, like, love and basketball or, like, other movies about two people falling in love with the sport and themselves at the same time, I think, would have been would have been cool. And, again, not trying to derail this movie, not trying to— How dare you! Not, not trying to make an alternate <laughs> cut that you now have in your head and it's there. And if anyone ever references this movie, you're like, that's a dark, grim drama. I don't want ever want to watch that again. Um, but I'm just thinking out loud, but— yeah, I think if it, it was yeah. a different sport, you could get away with it. Like, if this wasn't about— of an upstart league that lasted for seven years or t- you know, 10, 15 years or whatever it was, you could pull off a movie like that where yeah. like, if this was about, you know, a woman joining the national women's soccer team or the WNBA or something, you could tell that story because it's not about the formation of the league. It's just about a character that plays this sport. Right. That... It'd, be, it'd be way too busy because there's way too many themes going on in here. This is about just like you, like we're talking about the advent of just like women sort of like mm-hmm. coming into the sport and really being recognized as equals uh, within it. So um, I get, I get the movie again, just speaking out loud and <laughs> fantasizing about a sports movie that maybe never is or could be. And I, I completely forgot about mentioning this, and I think it's a great baseball movie, and it's uh, Field of Dreams. We didn't even mention mm-hmm. that one. is a yeah. great one. And again, one that's not really about baseball. It's about something else. I Father-son really... relationships. Yeah, and... exactly. Yeah. And um, But like to like what you know, um, Bridget was saying about the, the mysticism and the spiritualism of baseball, like that movie nails it, I think, a lot of that. Because you're really going out and you're getting like James Earl Jones who just sort of just like does not care anymore about the sport. Mm-hmm. Here, again, I think it's uh, it's it's a very, very playful movie that has issues within it that people are trying to solve. But it's, those issues are not sort of there to uh, stand out. They're sort of just move the picture from scene to scene, like you said, like a vignette. Mm-hmm. So one last thing I wanted to ask, and we kind of touched on it a little bit with the characterization of Dottie and how you guys seem to be firmly planted in that she doesn't change. One thing that I always kind of think about when this movie ends, 
given how everything kind of wraps up afterwards. Is there any part of your guys's watch of this movie where you think Dottie drops that ball on purpose? Just the way it gently rolls out of her hand, like she has that ball so much farther ahead of Kit c- colliding with her. She knows the collision's coming. The kind of player she is says there's no way in hell she's dropping this ball, and yet she does. Yeah, I'm mixed on it. I mean, it's, I thought about that when it happened, and yeah, like you're that's right. her passing she... the torch moment. That's the growth of I know I'm done here, but I know she loves this game and she won't mm. be done. I want this for her because I'm the big sister and I'm, you know, and it, and I think part of it goes back to the scene at the beginning, which I know I said doesn't really need to be there. But when she tells her older grandson, he's your younger brother, you got to let him have a shot. And so is that her giving her? Well, then I think you maybe shot. nailed it then. Uh, yeah. Then that's probably the case. I would have liked the thought that her sister finally like got equal to it because they are different in size. And like that's obviously evident throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that maybe that finally with that big hit at the end, just kind of getting into home that she knocked the ball out of her sister's hand. And prove that, like she again, like I talked, we talked about earlier, like she's every good or better at baseball than she is. So I kind of hope that was gonna be an option, but I never, I don't think I could even maybe now firmly end land one. But your argument is very strong now about the the comment of the kid. Yeah, I might be. You're you're selling me on it. I'm gonna. I have to sleep on it now <laughs> because as you asked this question, I was firmly in the no. Yeah, and you had mentioned kid. before, like she, you know. When she goes to the pitcher's mound, she says she can't lay off the high one. She can't hit him either. Do it, do it, do it. Do it, yeah. But I think there might be a change when she sees her hit that ball and she sees how hard she's coming and she sees her run through the stop sign at third and because she wants to win the game. Part of me still, every time I see it, just thinks that just maybe, even if it's subconsciously, just maybe – she let go of that ball on purpose. I'm trying yeah. to think though, were there were there examples or the like an evolution of this this issue going throughout the movie where she did give it to her, she did give it to her, and then like she finally like just got it. Like maybe she do you do you understand? Like did she were there any times that she sort of like let, let off the gas a little bit and let her win in any way? Because I'm trying to think. I don't think so, right? Not let her win, but I think the moment where Kit gets traded. Where Dottie's just like, she's fed up. She wants to quit because she's driven this. Her being on this team and playing with her sister has driven a wedge between the two of them. She wants to pack it in. She wants to go home. She says, trade me. I don't care. I just like, I'm done with either this drama or what I'm doing to my sister. It's not like, it's never specifically stated why she's fed up. But that moment where she just wants to go and then Kit is still pissed at her and she goes up and she's like, just tell me what you want me to do. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'm not trying to be this big, mean sister. Uh, I think that's kind of the start of it, of this, uh, like the family is a little bit bigger than the game, even though it's Mm -hmm. never expressly stated that way. So I think that might... When I think about it, if she did do that on purpose, that's the start of that evolution is there where she realizes that Kit wants this maybe a bit more than she does because she's ready to pack it in and give it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I <clears throat> I will say it's probably leaning in the, uh, the the direction that you're alluding to. So I think I'm maybe more in that camp now, but I still would like to think that there is sort of left up the debate a little bit, which, again, I think is the intention of the filmmakers. But uh 
maybe a little heavy, a little heavy, heavy handed with uh, the comment to the kid. Something I wanted to bring up. Neither of you mentioned it, but I want to see if you guys notice it. Did you guys notice anything strange about old Dottie and Kit's voices? That they're Gina Davis and yeah, Mm -hmm. they're dubbed. Yeah. Oh, are they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once you know it, you can't unknow it. It's spooky. That's another odd choice. But the woman looks so much like Dottie that like paired with the voice, even knowing that it's a different actress, I was like, but is it though? Because yeah. the voice syncs up so well and she's even got the like the mole or the beauty mark right in the same spot. Uh, that one's probably makeup, honestly. But, you know, they, yeah. they did a really good job of blending the two together. So I right. wouldn't necessarily think they would be different. I mean, Johnny, you pointed out, you even asked, like, is that makeup? Did they put makeup on her? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I would even say that even Kit looks like an older Kit looks uh, more like younger Kit than uh, the yeah. uh, older Dottie and young Dottie. But whatever, I'd maybe a brilliant stroke of casting on that part. And then the other girls were completely washed out. The only, I laughed when I saw Madonna's character, uh, May. Like her hair was like the same, like sort of like twirl on the top of her forehead. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's that's May. And then. The other ones were like you right, like you couldn't recognize them. But um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed that a little bit, a little bit at the end. Again, I'd be I'm gonna do a little digging in myself and just see. I know you gave me a little bit of historical context, but I'd like to do a little digging because I'm interested in seeing uh, uh, reading more on it. Which again is maybe a testament to the movie because I enjoyed it. There's one other thing that Adam we don't have to keep in the podcast, but I do want to record for posterity. <laughs> oh Jesus. Um, uh, it's from a letter that Madonna wrote during the filming. Um, and she was apparently, I, it was hard on everyone because it was mm-hmm. just a really physically demanding shoot. Uh, but she was really not having a good time. Um, and she didn't like being in Chicago. She didn't like the work. She didn't like being dirty. But in this letter to a friend where she's complaining about filming, she says, when God decided where the beautiful men were going to live, he did mm. not choose Chicago. Oh, no. I read that and I just... <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Stop Yikes. laughing. Um, but so right after this, in a sort of, you will only care about this if you like Madonna, it was apparently during this movie's filming that she decided, I am going to do a just whole coffee table book of... Oh boudoir intimate photos of myself uh which then became the bestseller sex and the companion album erotica so we have penny marshall to thank for that really bit of culture that i also grew up loving thank you penny thank you penny for your service slow clap (laughs) (laughs) avoid Uh, the clap yeah (laughs) avoid the slow clap um, I did see, speaking of when you mentioned the um, the arduous time filming, I did see that during, in between takes, they would try to entertain the extras. So like Rosie O'Donnell would do stand-up comedy. Um, you know, there were different like things that people were doing. Uh, Tom Hanks was doing uh, puppet shows from beneath the dugout. So like he'd be in the dugout and doing puppet shows above the dugout. Uh, and that other cast members took turns pretending to be Madonna and singing Madonna's songs because Madonna wanted no part of entertaining or performing for the fans. Though that might be a well, I don't contractual think like obligation, but you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Giving away a free concert, but you know. 
just Hell goes yeah. to a, just speaks to her mindset maybe at the time. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you meet Madonna and you want her to be nice to you, I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> I want to meet Madonna. I want her to be rude as hell to me. Right, right. I want her to be Madonna to me. Her look but, just exudes this, like, this person, this crazy personality and uh, this psychosexual nature. It's just wild. <laughs> wild. Even in a 40s baseball getup, it's like, good lord. Like, I loved all the attire that, like, all the women are sort of dressed and get out of the locker room after the game. And the stuff that she wore every time out of the locker room was like, oh, my goodness. I think even, like, there's a point where she's going on a date and uh, Rosie O'Donnell's character is commenting on her dress about being too tight. Mm-hmm. And how, like, like there's no need to just wear it. It'll be off in an hour anyways. <laughs> Why do you even wear clothes? Why do you even wear clothes? I love that. Oh, wait, no. The best, the best May scene in the movie is when she's teaching... The, her teammate, I can't remember her name, how to read from <laughs> oh, God. the bodice ripper. <laughs> Milky white breasts. Oh, you're gonna like what happens on the next page. Come on now. Yeah, they even surprised all the girls were wearing pearls the all the during the games. But they had to clutch. Yeah. Cool. So I mean, overall, Johnny, it seems like you've you've thoroughly enjoyed this movie i mean there's some nitpicks but there's always going to be with you know these things that we're going to watch but safe to say overall you and you enjoyed a league yeah of I, yeah I, I enjoyed it again i think it's a movie that uh it, it's it's a movie of moments for me which i've used that sort of phrase in the past for other movies i sort of came away liking on this podcast where i just enjoyed like a lot of little moments that a lot of great lines like john lovitz and tom hanks and uh, again, I, I I was pleasantly surprised with Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell and other people that I would have sort of wrote off. Like I said in the beginning, I sort of had a little like semi heart attack reading off the cast list. But yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I think they respected the base the the game a lot. I don't again. I I think it's one of those movies where I think I maybe should have grown up with it or had a little more history with it and enjoyed it as far as being in the pantheon of great baseball movies in my opinion. Um, but I understand why it's coveted the way it is and why people sort of put it up and, you know, the, uh, you know, great sports movies, great Tom Hanks movies, but yeah, you're right. Little nitpicks here and there aside. Uh, I enjoyed it. Nice. Well, I do want to say for both you, Johnny and others out there, if you are interested in learning more about the, uh, all American girls professional baseball league, uh, there is actually a documentary that was the, like the cause for this to get created called a league of their own uh, that Penny Marshall saw and basically went to those uh, filmmakers, had them work with her script writers to kind of get this movie off the ground. Um, So there is a whole documentary just about the league itself um, that you can kind of dive into and just kind of follow up on the legacy of this. There was a short lived TV series, a TV sitcom called the league of their own that follows characters from the movie, some of which reprise their roles. The major ones obviously don't. Um, that only aired five of their six produced episodes. Uh, but Amazon Prime has actually greenlit a straight-to-series order for a League of Their Own TV series that is hmm. set to come out, I think, later this year uh, slash early uh, next year. So more a League <laughs> of Their Own to come. But at the very least, that documentary exists uh, to give you more insight into the League and kind of the history of it as well. But anything else that anybody wants to touch on before we wrap things up for this week? I think I'm good. All right, well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. 
You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Uh, so make sure to follow along there. Let us know what you think of League of Their Own, uh, what you think of sports movies. What are some of your favorite sports movies? What are some of your favorite baseball movies? Who are you rooting for in the season that just started? Uh, you can let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for listening.